And hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Backstage Podcast. It's happening. I finally decided to come out of that comfort zone and do an episode all on my own. Uh, Something that I've been contemplating about and thinking and overthinking and asking friends and YouTubers and other podcasters about actually doing this um, by myself. And essentially, everyone told me the same thing. Just go ahead and do it, man. What's holding you back? And I don't know what was holding me back. I don't know if I was afraid or if I was scared or if I wasn't comfortable. Um, And I got to tell you guys something. Uh, Ever since we started doing the QC Brief with Michael Forian, which I hope you guys followed that series. It was during the campaign. We did two episodes uh, every week. Uh, And yeah, ever since we started that, it kind of clicked and I started thinking, you know what, maybe I could do this more often. I don't know if it's going to be one or twice, uh, once or twice a week. Um, I don't know, but it it, kind of clicked and it kind of felt right. Uh, And I kept thinking to myself, you know, when this series is over, eventually, uh, maybe I should start doing solo sessions. I don't know. Um, And of course, it doesn't have to be just about news or politics. It could be about anything that just happens to come up. And, you know, I feel like talking about it. And so that's what happened. Uh, And I'm glad I'm doing this. I don't know how it's going to end up. I hope I hope it's, it goes well, and I hope that you guys like it and enjoy it. And if you do, well, then maybe I'll continue doing them. Um, so that's pretty much what motivated me to do it. Uh, I'm glad I'm out of that comfort zone, so we'll see how it goes. Um, I wanted for this first episode just to um, pick up where we left off from uh, the QC brief. So for those who didn't follow that series, we did two episodes a week with my good friend Michael Forian, and we just analyzed the elections, talked about the parties, talked about the platforms, uh, talked about different things that would happen during the week and that sort of thing. Um, so that, not, that that election obviously is over, um, and I wanted to just pick up from where we left off on what happens now, all right? So this week in particular is a very important week, uh, and that's what I wanted to talk about. So what are we looking out for during this week? Uh, and what you've, you've been probably hearing in the news, if you hear the news at all, or if you listen to the news, um, and what different things mean, all right? And particularly, I want to discuss two little things. Um, one, the the swearing allegiance to the throne, which has become the biggest thing ever since the elections ended. Uh, and the second thing about the official party status, for Quebec Solidaire and the Parti Québécois. So what do these things mean and how important are they and uh, things just to look out for. And of course, this is just my opinion that I'm expressing over here. Um, I mean, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Uh, It's just how I feel about these two things in particular. Uh, Before we get to that thing, uh, before we get to those topics, one main thing, like I said, this week is the swearing in uh, of all parties, right? So um, Tuesday is going to be the CAC and the PLQ, so the governing party and the official opposition. On Wednesday, it's going to be Quebec Solidaire. Thursday, Premier Legault is announcing his cabinet, so he's uh, he's uh, he's appointing his uh, cabinet ministers. And on Friday, finally, the PQ will be sworn in. Now, all eyes are going to be on the PQ and specifically its leader, uh, Paul Saint-Pierre Plamondon, because ever since the elections ended, Paul Saint-Pierre Plamondon thought it was a smart thing to to, to come out publicly and say that he has an issue uh, swearing allegiance to the throne. Now, whether you like the king or not, or before, whether you like the queen or not, I mean, mean, this is all a personal uh, thing, I guess. Uh, I'm not, you know, the biggest, uh, fan of the monarchy. I don't really hate it either. Uh, when it comes to our politics, 
you know, to me, it's always been more of a ceremonial thing and not much more than that. So the fact that you're swearing in to the queen or this time around to the king, to me, it has no importance uh, whatsoever. So I, I don't really have an opinion on the matter. I mean, to me, it changes absolutely nothing. Um, however, we do. I have to say that it is part of the Canadian Constitution. It's you know, it's it's in the Canadian Constitution that every elected official, be it in at the federal level, so in Ottawa or across all provinces, need to swear allegiance to the throne. Um, of course, here in Quebec, the the, the Parti Québécois, the, the, the PQ, has you know always had an issue with that because by swearing allegiance to the Queen before and this time around to the King uh, signifies to them that they respect the institution of the Federation of Canada. And as we all know, they're a separatist party, so they don't really want to be associated with that. Um, and uh, it's become an issue again. So just to let everyone know, up until now, ever since the, the, the creation of the Parti Québécois, from René Lévesque all the way until the last leader, uh, the Parti Québécois has always sworn allegiance to the king. Of course, it, they, they, they practically mumbled it out of their, their mouths. It was the most quiet uh, swearing-in ceremony. Uh, actually, pretty funny to see. Uh, they, they, they raced through that, 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 uh, that text while they were swearing allegiance to the, to the queen. Uh, but they did it regardless. They respected the rule as outlined in the, in the, in the, in the Canadian Constitution. So all eyes are now on Pascal Pierre Palamondon to see if whether or not he's going to stay true to his um, to what he said about not swearing allegiance to the to the king. And again, you know, fundamentally, there's questions that are being asked: Can you sit in the house? Can you be a parliamentarian in Quebec if you haven't sworn allegiance to the king? It's become a big issue, um, and we don't know. This is a first in Quebec, right? I mean, and I don't know if he's going to go uh, forward with it. I I assume that he is. I mean, he looks very sincere and serious about it um, when he uh, said that he didn't want to do it and none of his uh, MNAs or elected MNAs would do it either. So it'd be interesting to see what happens. I do believe this week that the uh, Secretary General of the National Assembly uh, sent uh, a letter to the leader expressing that the rules are clear and that all parties need to swear allegiance to the, to the king but that he would be open to uh, potentially um, uh, a bill being tabled uh, and to be debated eventually on possibly changing this in the future. Um, so this is going to be interesting to see. Um, now, the other thing interesting how, uh, on this topic, on the swearing allegiance, is Quebec Solidaire. Quebec Solidaire also isn't a fan of the monarchy, but they've never really come out against the swearing-in ceremony, uh, which is exactly the same thing that the, 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 that's happening this time around. They're not um, in favor of the monarchy or in favor of swearing-in, but they're not really against it either. So they didn't come out and say, we won't do it. I mean, you know, Manon Massé in particular came out and said that they don't want to do it, but they didn't indicate if whether or not they would or not be doing so during the swearing-in ceremony. Um, so the interesting thing here is that Quebec Solidaire is going to be swearing in uh, their MNAs before the Parti Québécois. So everyone is kind of, you know, looking at what Quebec Solidaire does because we all know how they think um, and uh, to see if whether they will or not swear allegiance to the king. And if they are going to swear allegiance to the king, well, then to see how the PQ is going to react uh, two days after that. So that's going to be interesting. 
uh, and uh, we'll see, you know, of course, the dynamics. I mean, it, it's really fascinating to me how Paul Saint-Pierre Plamondon just came in. He's obviously, he's a rookie M&A. He's, uh, he just, you know, essentially took over the leadership of the party not too long before the elections. Uh, I think about a year and a half uh, before the elections. So he's coming in. Uh, with a storm, right? I mean, uh, the, the, the parliament hasn't even uh, sat yet and he's coming in really all fired up uh, against the monarchy. And I guess he's standing true to the ideology of the party and to the way that traditionally uh, the PQ M&As have always been, right? I mean, they've never been in favor of the monarchy. So that there's nothing new there. But the stance that he's, uh, that he's taken on being adamant on not swearing allegiance to the king, that is something new. So that's going to be very interesting. Um, the other thing that, in my opinion, is a lot more uh, important this time around uh, is the official party status. Now, for those who don't know and for those who uh, follow uh, a little bit the politics uh, here in Quebec, to be considered as an official party in the National Assembly, you either need to have 12 seats so you need to have 12 elected MNAs or to have at least 20% of the popular vote. Both Quebec Solidaire and the Parti Québécois did not succeed to either getting 12 seats or 20% of the popular vote. So everything now is up in the air. The Liberal Party of Quebec uh, with Dominique Anglade as its leader, uh, from, from the end of the campaign, from the end of the elections, has not been really clear on whether or not they want to recognize those two parties as official parties, okay? Um, uh, at the beginning, they threw the ball to the government and said, well, you know, this is a negotiation. We'll have to talk and we'll see what uh, Premier Legault wants to do. And Premier Legault was very quick to come out and say, listen, I have absolutely no problem to recognize them and to give them and to grant them uh, official party status. That automatically boxed Dominique Anglade in a corner all by herself. And now she has, the, uh, essentially the ball is in her court she has a decision to make because it's it's up to her i mean in order for parties to be recognized in national assembly there has to be consent all around so we know that the cac is okay with it so the only other party left is the liberal party uh to come up with its decision we don't know what they want and this is very important uh especially for dominic anglade before we get to those uh, you know to analyze specifically what it means for dominic anglade and the liberal party um let me just explain to you all why it's important to have party status uh, in the National Assembly. Well, for one, you get additional uh, you get an additional budget. So the National Assembly uh, grants a certain amount of money to these parties so that they can be used for a research department. They can hire additional personnel to help out with the different parliamentary tasks. Uh, you get uh, more question time uh, during. Uh, question period in the National Assembly. Uh, also, I think there's there's um, there, something to do with your time in, uh, during committees. Uh, so it's very important to, to be recognized as an official party because it gives you a certain status, it gives you a certain visibility, and it gives you more budget. So you can do a lot more things if you're recognized uh, um, as an official party. Uh, if you if you're not, so let's say assuming that Dominique Anglade doesn't recognize either Quebec Solidaire or the Parti Québécois uh, doesn't grant them official party status, what it means basically is that the composition of the National Assembly will be the governing party, which is the CAC, the official opposition, which will be the Liberal Party of Quebec, and then you have 11 plus 3 sort of independent MNAs. They won't be under any quote-unquote 
you know, umbrella. Uh, they won't have a flag, uh, even though we know that they're elected uh, under the Quebec Solidaire banner or the, the, the Parti Québécois banner in the National Assembly. They won't have that recognition. So it'll be 14 people just floating around uh, somewhat as independent uh, MNAs and then two, uh, two parties, one governing party and one official opposition. Uh, obviously, that sucks, both for Quebec Solidaire and the Parti Québécois. Um, so why is this an important move at this point in time for Dominique Anglade? Well, we got to go back to the elections. We, we, we got to go look at her track record. And we know that the Liberal Party and Dominique Anglade did not have you know, a very solid campaign. Uh, it, in fact, it wasn't a good campaign at all. Uh, one of the worst ones that I've seen personally. And it reflected in the results. The Liberal Party of Quebec has never gotten the results it got this time around. Um, just to remind everyone, they have 21 uh, members elected in the House, which is the lowest ever in the history of the of the, of the PLQ. Uh, and in 2018, the last provincial election, they got what was then the lowest, which was 31. So 10 less than last time around. They got much less popular vote. They lost a lot of support out in the regions. In some regions, they got less than 5% or 4 or 3 sometimes even 3% of the vote. Uh, almost non-existent uh, in, their, in, in the regions in Quebec. So it was really a disastrous result for the Liberal Party of Quebec to the point where you know, the members of the Liberal Party are not questioning the leadership of Dominique Anglade. We've seen already in the news and in the papers uh, a bunch of calls asking for her resignation. Um, uh, and I think that's going to continue. Uh, it's going to be a, a, a really rough first year up until the party decides to to convene its first uh, party convention after the elections. That's going to be tough. It's going to be really, really tough for Dominique Anglade. It's going to be a... Uh, I think a very difficult time for the party, depending on what happens, obviously with Dominique Anglade and the decision that she decides uh, to go with. Uh, essentially, if she does remain the leader up until that convention, whenever that happens, usually it's within a year from the from the elections. Uh, she's going to be uh, subjected to a, a confidence vote, essentially. So the members are going to have to vote on whether or not they want her to stay on, or if they want her to step down as a leader. So it's going, you know, there's darker times ahead for the Liberal Party. So why does this all matter? Well, because now Dominique Anglade has a very important decision to make. Uh, and it comes down to recognizing the other parties in the National Assembly. Why? And I'll tell you why. Because, and this is a huge dilemma. It must be a huge dilemma for Dominique Anglade and whoever is advising her because we know right now Dominique Anglade is fighting. It's basically, you know, 100% she's on survival mode right now. And, you know, and we're talking about as a leader. We're not talking about it as an MA because let's, you know, let's give credit where credit is due. She did get elected as an MA for Saint Henri Saint Anne, and in my opinion, the people of Saint Henri Saint Anne trusted her with their vote, and she has every legitimate right to be elected, and she should, in my opinion. I mean, the people elected her, and she should remain as an elected official. Uh, now, you know, we're gonna—I don't want to get into the debate on whether or not, you know, it, you know, if you resign as a leader, you should remain as an MA. That's—I mean, we've seen it happen in the past, and uh, uh, that's entirely up to her. But she got elected, and I think she has every right to serve 
uh, and to represent those constitu uh, constituents that elected her and that trusted her with her vote. Now, like I said, she's in survival mode. So Dominique Anglade right now and the people surrounding her are trying to think what is the best avenue for Dominique Anglade, number one, to boost her popularity within the party members uh, and to demonstrate that she is the leader that this party deserves to have and that she deserves to stay. Uh, and I think that this is probably going to be the first step in this direction or in the opposite direction, depending on what decision she makes. Um, there's, a, there's an enormous amount of pressure right now on her shoulders. Um, and even from within the party membership, there's a lot of people in the party that are calling for her to do the you know the the the, the to take the, the dignified decision and to recognize these parties and of course there's others that are thinking listen rules are rules and we don't have to recognize anyone if we don't want to they do not meet the threshold that would you know that that would make them official parties in the national assembly the paradox over here is that of the four parties represented in the national assembly of Quebec the liberal party is the least is the one that got the least amount of popular vote of all four parties. The Liberal Party got the least amount of vote. Now, they're just lucky that that vote that they got is so concentrated, especially in the area of Montreal, that it got them 21 seats. But it's the least amount of vote. So you have a situation right now where the party that has the least amount of votes has to decide if two parties that got more vote than that one party should get official party status. So it's a really bizarre thing uh, to witness, really. I mean, you have Quebec Solidaire and the Parti Québécois that both got more votes than the Liberal Party, and they're waiting for Dominique Anglade to decide their fate. Uh, so it, it's really it's really bizarre, and I've never seen anything like, anything like this happen before. So what's going to happen right now? And why do I think that this is important going forward uh, for the party and for Dominique Anglade? It's a, huge, it's a huge dilemma, and obviously it's a huge decision. Assuming that Dominique Anglade does not uh, grant official party status to those two parties, okay? What does that mean? Well, first of all, and I'm telling you this from, you know, from within the party, okay? So within the, 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 the liberal membership. First of all, from Dominique Anglade's perspective... It's a decision that would probably reinforce her leadership, right? She's making a stand and saying, listen, rules are rules. I don't care. You didn't make the threshold and I won't recognize you, okay? It's going to, you know, certain members of the party think that that's going to make her stand out and actually show some form of leadership that perhaps they didn't see before and especially not during the campaign. Um the other positive thing is that by not recognizing the other parties and by not granting them official party status, it gives the entire visibility to the Liberal Party of Quebec, which is something that is a must at this point in time. Like I said, both Dominique Anglade and the Liberal Party of Quebec are on survival mode right now. And if she recognizes the other parties, she loses precious time in question period, and obviously that means visibility. Uh, and you know she gives all that aspect to the other parties. It's like giving, handing it over on a silver platter and saying, "Here, okay, I'll step back, and here you guys take this visibility, and you guys get the attention." So this is very important for her. So strategically. She wants to get that visibility. She wants to boost that party uh, image. Um, however, 
by doing so, it may give this negative image of her as someone that either doesn't respect uh, her uh, her opponents in the house, someone obviously that perhaps doesn't respect the electorate, because let's be honest over here, there's way more people that voted for those two parties than that voted for her own party. So by not giving them official party status, to a certain degree, indirectly, you're kind of telling the electorate the people, the citizens of Quebec, that I don't care about your vote. I don't I don't care what you did and what you decided to vote, and you will not have your voice heard in the National Assembly. I may be extreme by saying that, but it's pretty much that. I mean, you know, you know when, you, when you consider that there's way more people in Quebec that voted for those two parties than for yours, and you're telling those two parties, listen, your voice won't be heard indirectly. You're telling those citizens that your voice doesn't matter. So it's 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 a, it's a huge dilemma. Um, many have called her irresponsible. Manon Massé has come out and has called on Dominique Anglade to do the responsible thing, that she won't be able to uphold the 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 control of Parliament as the only opposition when you have 14 other people just floating around. So she's she, she she's questioning Dominique Anglade's ability to do that on her own. She believes that she won't be able to do it on her own and that she needs those two other parties uh, to maintain some sort of cohesion in parliament as solid opposition altogether, not just the Liberal Party, but as an opposition, Liberals, QS, and, and PQ. Um, so, so this is what might happen if she doesn't. Um, recognize them or if she doesn't uh, want to grant them official party status if she does grant them official party status some members of the liberal party might see her as you know very weak and you know lacking leadership and it's going to be just the same dominica glad that they've seen uh, ever since she was brought to to the leadership and you know that weak leader that we saw during the elections and it's just going to be one continuation of that uh, very weak leadership that ultimately needs to change uh, in the party. Um, it may be a good thing for her image that, look, I'm doing the right thing, the responsible thing, the fair thing, and letting these parties have official status, respecting the electorate that uh, that gave them their vote, um, respecting that electorate for having a voice for having its voice heard in the National Assembly. So maybe in terms of her image, she'll be seen as the nice and kind uh, politician that wants to respect the other parties uh, and their ability to, uh, to, to effectively do their work in Parliament. But it definitely won't help her uh, keep her seat, I think. I think her leadership is going to come to an end immediately by doing so. I don't know uh, how the party will be able to bounce back uh, in terms of you know visibility, popularity, whatever you want to call it, by losing that precious time it has in the National Assembly uh, to be able to you know uh, uh, plant its foot down and you know uh, assert its its leadership in the House as the official opposition, as the only uh, opposition group in the in the National Assembly, it's going to be a very big decision. She hasn't yet made uh, made her uh, made her decision public. We don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and I can assure you that the majority of the membership of the Liberal Party is waiting to see what's going to happen. Is is this going to be a sign of a strong leader 
by her refusing to grant him official party status? Or is it going to be just the same thing like we've been used to seeing and there we go we just cave in to the to to our opponents and we're giving them all the room and yeah well we knew it i mean it's dominic anglad and she's gonna have to go anyway so this is a very big decision for her i have no idea what's um what's being said what's being thought and how she's being uh, advised on the matter my personal opinion i mean Politics is a tough sport, and you have to accept the punches that come with it. And if I were in her position, I'm not so sure if I would have if I would grant the other party's official status. And you know, you can call me mean, or you can call me uh, ungrateful, or you can call me whatever you want to call me. But I can very easily just come out and say, you know, rules are rules, and they did not meet the threshold, and that's it. And profit 100 percent from that status as an official opposition, from the time and the attention that you're going to get and the visibility that you're going to get in opposition, in committee work, um, automatically you paralyze your opponent by reducing significantly their operation budget uh, that, they, that they're going to have up on the hill. Uh, I mean, it's a huge, huge, huge uh, uppercut for those parties not to have those additional funds to be able to operate. Um, and at this point, and again, this is not in general, I'm saying... This is how I think, given the actual context, right? I mean, uh, you have a, a party that has got its worst results. There's a party that is currently thinking, how do we bounce back from this? And one way to bounce back for this, uh, from this is to completely erase your competition. Uh, and your competition right now is two parties that, in my opinion, have much more effective leaders much more effective communicators. So everything that can hinder Dominic Anglade uh, in, in this next mandate. So I think that considering all these things, I would, I would probably cut off that oxygen uh, from the opposition. And I know it's tough. And uh, again, I'm, <laughs> I'm saying this uh, for this episode. Maybe if I were in, in, in those shoes, maybe I do differently. I don't know. Uh, off the top of my head right now, that's, my reflex that's what i would do um and uh you know i mean uh, uh you know it's up to those parties to do whatever they have to do and if you know if they want to have uh, official party status then you know maybe they can just merge and have 14 members and with 14 members well then they get automatic uh, official party status and they can figure out themselves how they're going to break that down because it's obviously two parties but it is two parties that are somewhat um uh, linked yeah i mean you know they're in ideology they're both uh, separatist parties of course their positions on other things vary quite uh, quite a lot but look it's an option if they want the, uh, the the official party status then look get together make 14 people all together 14 mnas get your official party status and figure out how you're gonna break it down figure out how to break down the funds who gets what, uh, and, you know, split the time between you. I, I don't know. Um, so it, it's up to them. I would literally just throw the ball back in their court and say, look, I'm not recognizing you. You guys figure it out. Um, and at this point in time, I need to figure out my party's survival. And not only my party's survival, but my own survival as the leader. Now, Knowing Dominic Anglad personally, I think you know. I mean, she's she's a great woman. She's very kind. She's uh, she's obviously uh, a person that is collaborative. 
she respects the institutions. I mean, all that I can say uh, with uh, with 100% certainty. Is she going to go that route? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how she's being advised. Uh, but I think it would be the first step in her future and in the party's future on whether or not uh, she recognizes these parties. And uh, I think it's going to play in a lot with what's going to happen going forward with her um, with her leadership and how the party maybe could have some better chances on its side to bounce back. I don't know. Now, for those wondering, we've seen this happen in the past uh, where parties were not recognized i think back in 1989 the the parti quebecois was in opposition they didn't grant official party status to the equality party back in the days for those who remember um our history uh, uh some people defected from the liberal party created the equality party they got four people elected in the 1989 um election parti quebecois didn't grant them official party status um i believe in 2008 when amir kadir was the the, the only elected mna for quebec solidaire I, I could be wrong here, but I don't think he was granted official party status either. He was the only one. And that came later, obviously. Uh, but in 2018, both the Parti Québécois and Quebec Solidaire each got 10 seats, and they were just shy of 20% also. Back in those days, back in that day, uh, however, they were granted official party status. They had negotiated among themselves. They had talked, talked it over, and... They decided that, okay, we'll grant you official party status. And what happened? The Liberal Party went down. Quebec Solidaire went up. The PQ almost lost <laughs> complete um, uh, complete credibility. They, they ended up with three uh, seats. But, I mean, they were the, what was it, the third? They were the third opposition in the House. So, I mean, that's really reduced visibility, uh, reduced time for questions, less people present in your committees, and look what happened. They just kept going down. Um, so, again, I, I don't know what Dominic Anglade is going to do. I'm looking at it specifically just from a strategic position. I personally would not grant him party status. Uh, at this point, you have to look at the survival of your own party, and I do think that granting official party status will be to the detriment of the Liberal Party and definitely to the detriment of uh, Dominic Anglade's leadership. Um, so, yeah, that's it. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen this week. Um, yeah, I hope you guys follow that uh, swearing-in ceremony, if it's something that you like, it's going to happen throughout the entire week. Looking forward to seeing who Premier Legault uh, appoints to cabinet. Uh, there's, a, there's a bunch of new M&As that have uh, a lot of uh, potential and, um, and competence to, uh, to take on those roles. Who's going to get cut? Obviously, someone's going to get cut. Uh, and who's going to move around? Who's going to get demoted? Who's going to get promoted? All this is uh, is going to be interesting, and that's coming up on Thursday. Um, so there you have it, guys. That was the first solo episode that um, that I put up for Backstage Podcast. I hope you enjoyed. If you do enjoy it, head head on over to uh, Spotify, Apple, whatever wherever you get your podcast from. 
rate the podcast give it a five star guys uh, help us out help us uh build the, the podcast build the audience and if you're like me and you enjoy more visual uh, content well subscribe to the youtube page uh and, and help that community grow um i think i'm gonna do this again i think maybe there'll be another episode in this week maybe on thursday or friday depending on uh, how i feel and uh, how this goes and the reactions i get from the people let me know how you feel about these solo episodes um from my end i mean it's only about 20 30 minutes of my time i have no idea how, how long this episode has been running for um but i think i can get used to it i don't know i mean it's weird talking to myself into this mic and looking into a camera uh but i hope that you enjoyed it so thank you all so much see you guys all in the next episode take care